Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. We are the Touchdown Vultures of Fantasy Football Podcasts. I'm your quarterback, David Mendelson, and I'm here with my safeties, John Van Etten and Eric Mendelson. And just so everyone knows, both are covered safeties and don't like to tackle. What's going on, fellas? You know, I'm trying. What's good? What's good? I'm trying to think of a safety that uh, that's afraid of hitting, and I'm not. Uh, Deshaun Goldson. He got picks, but was afraid of hitting. <laughs> well, since you guys are afraid to tackle, I had to bring in the big guns. Our guest this week is the founder of the PregameHQ.com. He's a fantasy football ranker for Fantasy Pros, and most importantly, a U.S. Navy veteran. He's at Elvin Ryan underscore FF on Twitter. The man, Elvin Ryan. What's going on, dude? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Like I said, we had to bring in the big guns since the uh, rest of my crew right here is kind of a light-hitting load. So, got to bring the fire in here with you. Yeah, let's do it. So, I understand you're a huge Saints fan. Uh, we have a big anti Taysom Hill guy on this podcast. Uh, John Mann does not like Taysom Hill at all. What are your not thoughts on Taysom Hill and the money he got? Oh, man. Can John's computer crash? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, you, you can't find a, a better just athlete. Like, I mean, he's just he's just a weapon. Uh, I mean, you can look at the Vikings game, and I think that's how he'll be used moving forward until eventually Sean Payton actually gives him his chance. I know a lot of people think Sean's blowing smoke. I think when Drew's done, Jason's going to get his chance. He, he's going to be a starter. And I mean, I'm not going to say that he's going to be a starter in five years, but uh, he'll, uh, he'll get his chance as a starter. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a young 29. He'll only get better and better as he ages. <laughs> exactly. All right, so, so, so Drew Brees goes down. Who's coming in to replace him, Jameis or Taysom? Uh this year, Taysom, 100%. For the same reason as Teddy, uh, Sean, Sean sees more in, in Taysom than what I think he does in Jamison and what he did in Teddy. He knows that once Drew's back, if it's a season-ending in, injury, I think Taysom is the guy. I, I honestly believe that. But I think if he knows Drew's coming back, he doesn't want to risk Taysom getting hurt because he's such a versatile weapon for the Saints. He's got upwards of 500 yards the past two seasons. <laughs> Just watch you the Minnesota the hate game. is real. The hate is real on I mean, that. That's fine. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Just watch the Vikings game. Show you a couple clips. <laughs> well, we're going to get into a lot of talk with the Saints because it's our NFC South preview episode. We're going to go with, through each team in the NFC South, talk about every top rookie, fantasy hero, fantasy zero, and sleeper for every team in the NFC South. After our team previews, we have our question of the week running a fly route. Which non-quarterback would you want to build your NFL team around? And our mystery game, audibling at the line. But first, let's get to our news and notes. 
our news and notes, to be honest with you guys, there wasn't much news I had planned. Uh, I was going to say I was going to be reaching for a story. But then a few hours ago, Adam Schefter came out with uh, the news that Minnesota Vikings Pro Bowl running back Dalvin Cook no longer will participate in team-related activities until and unless he receives what he determines to be a reasonable deal. Now, that number has been reported as a $13 million deal uh, per year, which is what David Johnson is getting. According to the sources, he's out without a reasonable extension, and he will not be showing up for camp or beyond. According to everyone's sources, the running back's greatest leverage in negotiations is his serv- is their service. With him withholding, uh, it, I, it asks a lot of questions. Now that he's not there, is this Alexander Madison time? So, Eric, I'm going to start with you. What do you make of all this news? Well, first of all, I'd like to start the hashtag Madison. I just want to I just want everyone to know that I'm starting it right now and hopefully by the end of the season it's trending. I think obviously his ADP goes up because of the the workload he's going to get. It's tough to say if he's going to be the featured back because Boone got some work last year and they just paid Kirk Cousins a lot of money so maybe they want to make it his team. But you know, you see Melvin Gordon holding out last year and I think that's a new trend for running backs is at least getting some uh bump from pay of what they have now, so I don't see him returning. Alvin, what do you think? No, nah, I mean, I think Dalvin starts week one. This all really? Portion. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Dalvin comes to realization that he's not going to get his $13 million or the Vikings cave and realize that they have too much talent to waste uh, by leaving their star running back there. I mean, we watched what Madison and Boone are capable of. We watched them at the end of last season. None of us are impressed. I mean, we can't sit here and lie to ourselves just because we're fantasy guys and we want that breakout candidate. Uh, Cook Cook will start week one, I have no doubt. What about you, John? What do you think? As always, I always am on the players. They got to get that money. Um, I know the Vikings' hesitance to pay him is because of his injury history, but at the same time, that's why he has to get a multi-year contract because if he goes out and tries to play next year and something drastic happens, it could be his last year. So I am always with somebody trying to make sure they make the most of their uh, their short time in the league. I like that. It, it, we had a Twitter poll, and if you're not following us at Trip Play Fantasy, I don't know what you're doing, but – we had a poll on Twitter recently asking which was the most valuable handcuff in fantasy between Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard. So in light of today's events, I want to ask each of you guys, assuming Madison, I know, uh, Elvin, you felt differently, but if Madison is the week one starter and we know he's going to be the full season starter, where would you take him in a fantasy draft? So, Elvin, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I'm going to assume that uh, Dalvin will return at some point in the season. Uh, which affects the draft capital of uh, Madison. I'm going to, because besides Bell, uh, Le'Veon Bell, the only player that I can remember holding out an entire season well is no one. Um, So at some point, Dalvin's going to come back, whether he agrees to lesser money or the Vikings realize what they're missing. Mike Boone uh, is going to be vulturing uh, TDs. Uh, So I I would say a fourth-round redraft pick. Fourth round. That's higher than I thought you'd go. You were talking all these negative points. I was like, oh, he's not going to draft until round 10 or something. I mean, just because of volume, I think you have to. But I think he's going to lose a lot of touches in in the 10 zone, uh, inside the 10 to Boone, which we watched happen last year uh, when Dalvin was out. So 
But I, I mean, I think Dalvin comes back early. But so even if Dalvin does come back sooner than uh, sooner than most expect, you still have one of the better handcuffs in the game. John, where are your thoughts on this? Um, I I never like drafting a, a backup just because he's going to be a starter or anything like that. I I don't like reaching for players. Uh, if he's not your guy, then I wouldn't take him any higher than you would normally just because uh, when, once you start just looking for anybody who may start a game or two, you, you dig a little too deep in the pool, in my opinion. Okay, that's fair differing on that. Eric, what about you? I'm probably going to take him round seven or eight, and I was high on Madison before the news came out. Um, I would bump him up slightly. You look at that division, and they got some high offense-powered teams, the Saints and Bucks. I think the Vikings got worse this offseason. Their defense is notably worse. I think losing Diggs, uh, you can't you can't just replace him, even though they did get Justin Jefferson. Um, I think they're going to be from behind a lot, and they're going to have to air it out and not be able to be as run-heavy as they were last year. So what Austin Eckler did in those like first few games back that that doesn't uh, sway y'all a little bit. I mean, he he won a lot of uh, people like the first four games. Like a lot of people started four and zero because of Austin Eckler. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that point as well because I think and you want to win as many weeks as possible just to get in the playoffs because anything yeah. can happen as long as you get in. Um, I if. If it was the Vikings team of last year was where I was a little more confident that they'd be competitive and, you know, high scoring, I would probably take him in the area you're talking about just because I think that offense takes a step back. Um, you, you think Diggs, Diggs to Jefferson's that much of a step back? I do. I think he – my brother will say that, you know, Diggs is the best route runner in the game. He actually went to high school good council about five minutes from where we live. So we've known about him for a while. So I think even though he wasn't always getting the stats, he was always a focal point of the defense. Well, we're, this is obviously won't be this or this pod, but we have also talked about potentially what it's going to do to Adam Thielen's value since there's always been kind of two number ones. And now it's like one huge threat in the passing game. And that could change the look of the offense. Um, but we are going to move into the NFC South preview. And we are going to have our first team. We always got to have our guests started out. Elvin, you're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints. And with the New Orleans Saints, the Buccaneers have a legit chance of winning the division, but the Saints have to be considered the top dogs until they're dethroned. The Saints have won three straight NFC South division titles and are returning largely the same group as 2019. No reason this club can't come on on top. Saints didn't make a lot of moves this offseason, but they added Emmanuel Sanders to go along with Michael Thomas. They also have Pro Bowl running back Alvin Kamara in the backfield. And the Saints did address one big hole in their offensive line by adding Michigan's Cesar Ruiz. Barring a drop-off of 41-year-old Drew Brees, New Orleans should very well, again, compete for a Super Bowl berth this season. So, Elvin, take us away with your uh, analysis for the Saints this year. Man, I think... Anything shy of where they were last year, I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust. It, Drew's window, I mean, this is his last year. We can all go on record and say that this is Drew's last year. He contemplated it longer than ever. He told a lot of friends and family that last year was his last year. And I think just by the way that last season ended uh, with Kyle Rudolph and overtime against the Vikings, I think that's kind of swayed him to stay one more year, give it one more go. Uh, but I would go on record saying that this is his last year. 
So anything less than a Super Bowl is a bust. Uh, I mean, the biggest concern right now would be the locker room uh, because of the, you know, the Drew Brees and the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, right. the and the teammates unfollowing him and stuff. I think uh, the apology was sincere from Drew, and I think that uh, the acceptance was as well. Okay, so let's go into the fantasy aspect. Give us your top rookie for the Saints this season. Top rookie. Man. Uh, be t- at tight end. Um, yeah, dang. What is that? Now He was arguably the uh, – I know you're talking about this. He was one of – they said he actually might have been the top tight end prospect in the, uh, in the draft. Yeah, I loved him, but I just drew a blank. So before we get back to, I'll I'll look them up for you. Go. What about the fantasy hero? Who's going to be their fantasy hero this season? Uh, I mean, I think the same person in the last couple of years that we Mike Thomas. He's going to finish as the wide receiver one back to back seasons. I won't be surprised if he breaks his own record. Uh, now that we've really, added, now that we've added Emmanuel Sanders to the other side, I think that takes away a lot of coverage. And if if you're not going to take away that coverage and he doesn't break the record. Emmanuel Sanders is going to have one of his better career years, even at a higher age. So then let's go back. Uh, I don't think any of us are going to argue about the Mike Thomas pick. You're talking about Adam Troutman, the tight end. Yeah. Yeah, so Jared Cook, uh, Jared Cook, Cook's getting a little old. I know Josh Hill, whenever he was coming in, his measurables coming out of the combine were insane. And Sean Payton loved him. Uh, he never really developed to what Sean wanted, I think. Uh, what he gets from this guy is what he's wanted for the last five, six years from Josh Hill. Uh, I think they run more personnel to protect Drew as he's 41. They're going to want to bring in that extra tight end. Um, I don't know. I, I really think that he – I mean, he's really the only option as a rookie to make a fantasy impact as well. So then who's their fantasy zero? Who are you going to most likely try to stay away from on their team this season? I mean, Latavius without injury. I mean, he last year he didn't he didn't fill the uh, the Mark Ingram role while Alvin was in. He was a great hand, handcuff. I mean, whenever Alvin went out, he he had some great games. I know he won some people some games uh, for fantasy, but I just think that without an Alvin injury, he he's nothing in that offense. Is he the top handcuff in fantasy football, in your opinion? No. Is he top three? Yeah, he could be there behind Madison and Pollard. Okay. So then who's they're going to be their, um, their sleeper? Who's going to be someone that maybe people aren't talking about but could jump on the scene? I mean, I, I think a lot of people still aren't talking about Emmanuel Sanders, which was crazy. Uh, even whenever he was first picked up by the Saints, I thought the Twitter darlings would come out and they would just start chit-chatting about it, but uh, really he's remained under the radar. And, I mean, he's proven production in Denver and in San Fran, so with much lesser quarterbacks than Drew Brees. Yeah, Elvin, I'm with you on that. And, you know, we're both on Twitter a lot, and we see the people that uh, everybody typing up this offseason, Miles Sanders, Calvin Ridley, and not saying Emmanuel Sanders is in that same area. but Giving away my teaser, Eric. Oh, I'll stop then. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm messing <laughs> but, with you. Keep going. But, but just playing in the best offense he, has, he ever has and or with the best quarterback that he ever has, 
besides Peyton Manning, maybe those one or two years. One year, and, yeah. having, and having that attention drawn away from Michael Thomas, I, I think he's probably the best number two the Saints have had in the past 10 years. So I, I'm with you. I, I don't think enough people are talking about him. Yeah, I think he's the best fantasy number two. I'm not going to go out and say that he's the best number two because, I mean, people will laugh at this. Fantasy people will laugh at this, but as a Saints season ticket holder, I know what Lance Moore did. I know what Willie Sneed did all as the number two, number three wide receiver, and people will chuckle like Lance Moore, Willie Sneed, you're going to bring those guys up. Uh, but but they really did. They had an impact in that Saints offense, maybe not on a fantasy stat sheet, but uh, as far as just in the offense, they were so fluid with Drew Drew trusted them and i mean we've got a shortened off season so the trust won't be there i don't think he's the best number two that the saints have ever had but i think he'll be the best fantasy number two yeah that's more where i was going fantasy wise yeah oh and you're forgetting the goat ted ginn <laughs> what about robert peach that's his name all ted, ted ginn was his father he's ted Ginn jr <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> Man, I, um, I, don't know. I love teddy but can't trust him to always catch the ball, that's for sure. You know, he he's learned to catch in New Orleans. Is he is he still on the roster? Actually, I haven't checked. No, no, no. He's in Chicago. Okay. Yep. I, but, I did learn – so I learned one new thing today. But he did learn how to catch in New Orleans. He wasn't always known for that. His drop rate was cut in half in his time here. So Drew taught him something. Right. It does. So let's go to our next team, the Atlanta Falcons. This team was pegged as a potential sleeper Super Bowl contender going into 2019. And that didn't quite work out. The Falcons looked lazy and awful most of last year. Matt Ryan showed signs of decline. The running game was virtually non-existent, arguably the worst in the league. And on top of that, the defense looked like a pile of garbage. Atlanta is very similar to last year's team in many respects with a couple of small changes. They brought in Todd Gurley. But is this post-knee injury Todd Gurley, or is this pre-knee injury looking Todd Gurley? The team lost Austin Hooper in free agency and traded for Hayden Hurst from the Ravens to replace him. Many experts expect Calvin Ridley to make a leap into the top wide receivers this season. Atlanta did add Dante Fowler for their pass rush and then traded out Desmond Trufant for Clemson's cornerback, A.J. Terrell. Okay, so I'm covering the Falcons for the AFC or the NFC South. And for me, their uh, rookie of the year, they didn't draft a offensive skill player. So I'm just going to say that their first offensive player they took was an offensive lineman. So I'm going to just say the top rookies is going to be the O-line. I think that the O-line, they're returning a strong left tackle in Jake Matthews, top end center Alex Mack, and they have rising guard Chris Lindstrom. They did draft, as I spoke of, Matt Hennessy from Temple in the third round. So I think that they really built up that offensive line, which is going to help a lot of the skilled players and Matt Ryan have a better season, which dives right into my fantasy hero. And my fantasy hero, Calvin Ridley. Last season, Calvin Ridley led the NFL with six uh, – I'm sorry, the Falcons led the NFL with 684 pass attempts. Calvin really accounted for just 93 of those targets, which is a 13.6% target share. Austin Hooper, who was second with the Falcons with 96 targets, is off the team. Aiden Hurst is on the team, but I don't expect him to get 96 targets. 
In addition, when Mohamed Sanu was traded to the Patriots after the Falcons' seventh game, Ridley's PPR points jumped from uh, jumped up to 4.55 points. If we use his PPR average after Sanu was traded, he would have been the wide receiver seven in game uh, per game scoring. So if we give him a reasonable 20% share, if you consider that it's pretty much Julio Jones and maybe Hayden Hurst are getting most of the targets besides him, he would be having close to 130 targets a game. And I could see him being the Chris Godwin uh, in a pass-happy offense this year. So I guess a lot of numbers, but the bottom line is Chris or uh, Calvin Ridley is going to get a lot more of an opportunity in this pass-happy offense. And I do think that he could be uh, one of those guys that has that Chris Godwin type of jump, not necessarily maybe a top five receiver, but I could see a top 10 as his ceiling. I think he has his best year, but I've seen his ADP be late second, early third, which I think is a little high for him. Never had uh, 10 plus receptions in a game. So in a PPR league, you're dinged for that. Um, three, hundred plus games, a hundred plus yards games in his career. Um, and I think that's benefiting from the defenses focusing on Julio um, I'm with you. I think he has a good year, but I just need to say, I hope the hype train slows down a little bit. Uh, it, it should, but I, I, yeah, I don't think a second or third round pick is, is where you should take him. I, I would probably take him in round four at that, the earliest, um, goes right into now my fantasy zero, Todd Gurley. Um, I'm not saying that Todd Gurley can't be productive this season, but I, I'm going to be honest. I think if you think he's going to be an RB one, that knee injury just scares me thinking he can put up those kind of numbers. I think people might overdraft him thinking he could bounce back in a new offense. But if you look at his past, he uh, in 2017 and 2018, both years where he was an RB1, he was behind a top five run blocking offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. And it took a nosedive in 2019 as he was behind the seventh worst unit. Atlanta last year was the number 22 ranked run blocking offensive line. And I know that they've improved a little bit, but I think they're a better class blocking team than a run blocking team. And I'm wondering if he's going to be very efficient. So I, I think when I say he's a fantasy zero, he's obviously not a fantasy zero in the sense that he's not going to give you zero value. But I think he's one of those guys that's going to get overdrafted. And I don't think he's going to give you the type of return you're expecting as a a potential if you're you know waiting on running backs as a late RB one or an RB two, I, I think you're hoping for a back end RB two, maybe high end flex. I think is like where you can safely say he'll give you that type of value. Um, but he's boomer bust. He's either going to be pre knee injury or post knee injury. Todd Gurley. So it could win you your league or lose your league. And then my sleeper, Hayden Hurst. Dirk Cutter is the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he has the tendency to incorporate tight ends into his passing game. Now with Hurst there, I expect his targets to double compared to what he had last season. Uh, give him a lot more chunk plays and yardage. He actually is faster than you may think. I don't see any reason why going – again, Lamar Jackson's an MVP. Matt Ryan's a better quarterback to get his players the ball. And – when you look at, at Austin Hooper having 97 targets and 75 catches in 13 games, you've got to think Hayden Hurst is going to get at least half of those numbers and, and probably even more. And um, I just think that he's going to be a big piece of that pie that those 97 targets, if not almost all of it. So I think he's going so much later in drafts that he's one of those guys that I, I'm going to try to snag him in as many leagues as I can. I think he's going to 
be that tight end that comes out of nowhere and, and gives you top five tight end production. Um, Elvin, is anything I said, do you agree, disagree? Uh, yeah, I mean, Todd Gurley, I think he's an RB1 this season. Uh, I think last year he had over 250 touches on a bad knee, as many will say. Uh, it didn't It didn't flare up. He did all right. He was un- behind a piss-poor line, seventh-worst uh, run uh, run block, but I think second-worst overall line. Uh, so just some piss-poor blocking in front of him, and he was still able uh, to finish as an RB1, I believe. Um, most, most of that was touchdown-dependent, but – Behind, I mean, Atlanta's offense, offensive line, which isn't a huge upgrade. They are an upgrade versus uh, the Rams O-line. And I just think that it's a one-year deal, and Atlanta is going to run this man into the ground. I, I agree with that. I don't think they care what happens to his knees uh, for the future. I think they care about this season, making the postseason. And if it means running him until he has no wheels, then that's what it's going to be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I said on the British Ballers podcast, I, I think that he outscores all uh, rookie running backs this season. I stand behind that. Oh, that's a pod bet. We're going to make that's, a pod that's bet. A bold, that's that's, that's yeah. a bull take. I love I don't it. think he outscores Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'm an LSU guy. I'm right here in the heart of LSU. And, uh, yeah, he will. Oh, okay. This is documented. We got a pod bet. We'll have to revisit yeah. this later on in the season. Um, let's but move to our – again without injury of course of course yeah yes as long as both of them stay healthy we'll have to see how that turns out um we're going to move into our next team the carolina panthers and you see that guy there's a new sheriff in town his name's teddy bridgewater and don't look now but he's better than any quarterback that they had last season the panthers handed bridgewater a lucrative long-term deal in free agency in spite of the fact that he's only made six starts since the end of 2017, it's a risky gamble. At this point, there's no evidence to suggest Bridgewater's any more than a game manager who typically uh, is what teams look for, or not what they look for in a franchise quarterback. Now that Cam Newton's run is over, the Panthers obviously wanted to bring a new face in there to, to try to lead their team. The Panthers have plenty of weapons led by the best running back in football. I call him CMC to God, Christian McCaffrey. And the Panthers also added wide receiver Robbie Anderson in free agency to add to an impressive group of wide receivers with Curtis Samuels, Robbie Anderson, and breakout uh, popular breakout DJ Moore. Their defense take a, took a major hit, losing arguably the best linebacker in football in Luke Keekley. So this will be an interesting team to watch in 2020, but you have to think they're only going to succeed if Bridgewater plays at a high level. So Eric, tell us everything we need to know about the Carolina Panthers. Hero Christian McCaffrey, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do fantasy football, so I'll just give you a few stats. 19 total touchdowns last year, over 10-plus catches in five games, and only and under 100 total yards in only three games. He is the focal point of that offense, and he's been pretty durable. I think he's the number one consensus pick. My fantasy zero, I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson arrives, so that's going to take some looks away from him. Uh, He had his highest receiving total of 91 yards in week two. After that, his highest the rest of the year was 70 yards. He had 19 carries for 130 rushing yards and one touchdown rushing. I don't think that's that's necessarily um, repeatable, but and I think that's where he got some of his value. I've never been a Curtis Samuel fan. I think between DJ Moore, 
you know, the occasional long shot to Robbie Anderson, McCaffrey, and maybe some Ian Thomas. That's going to uh, hog up the, the targets. Um, my rookie, he is technically not a rookie, but he was only on the Colts practice squad, P.J. Walker. He played under Matt Rule at Temple, where he set nearly every passing record. He's mobile. I don't know if you guys have seen his highlights for the Houston Roughnecks, but he reminds me a lot of Tyrod Taylor. Um, there were seven teams that were interested in him, but he ultimately chose to sign with the Panthers to be re reunited with Rule. Teddy Bridgewater played in five and a half games last year, so we'll have to see if he can play almost three times the amount of that. New Orleans had a top five offensive line, and last year the Panthers gave up 58 sacks, which was the most in the NFL. So I think in order to be efficient, you're going to need a mobile quarterback in that offense. Last year, Bridgewater's rushing stats were 20 carries for 39 yards. So he he may be a durable, but I don't think we'll ever see that rushing upside we once thought we we would see because of that leg injury. And I think when you have such good pieces around you, you're going to need a quarterback that can make some plays with his legs to extend it. And then my sleeper is Ian Thomas. I know he had a bad year last year. But his last five weeks of 2018, he had 25 catches for 246 yards and two touchdowns. Last year, when Teddy Bridgewater started, uh, three out of five games, Jared Cook had five-plus targets. So Teddy Bridgewater seems to like the check-down option. It's a new offense, and this will be his first time getting first-team reps. You look at that depth chart, number two is Chris Manhurts, who had one target last year and didn't catch it. And and Tameric Hemingway, who has more career value in tight ends and later rounds. I'm thinking of Mark Andrews last year, George Kittle the year before. Not saying he's going to be on that level, but I think you take a late round flyer on him because he's going to be a starting tight end and hopefully a high scoring offense. It's a good rundown there, Eric. Is now, I think everybody's talked about Ian Thomas, and now that Greg Olson's not there, I think this is obviously his chance, if any. Um, are you comfortable saying that you think Ian Thomas would be a top 10 tight end this year? I don't think he's a top 10, but I think once the bye weeks start hitting, or if you're a DFS guy and you're looking for a cheap option, I mean, he's a, he's a starting tight end, and I think if you don't have one of the top three or four, it's almost like a, a crapshoot because – if, if a tight end catches a touchdown, that will salvage his day. You'd be happy, you know, with one catch, six yards, and a touchdown if it wasn't a top three. You know, that's at least my outlook on it. I, I don't take tight ends very early because, you know, you're either reaching for one or you're hoping a middle-tier one hits. That's a good point. I think a lot of people stay away. If you don't get one of the elite tight ends, you can probably wait on one for a lot later. Uh, John, what about you? What are you like doing for tight ends? Do you think either Ian Thomas could break out into one or, or what is your, usually your tight end strategy? Tight end is really a, a low risk, high reward position. There's, you know, there's the, the top tier. And then beyond that, it gets really touchdown dependent. So I have no issue with uh, trying to take a chance on uh, Ian Thomas. Yeah, I like that. And I just wanted to get your voice warmed up because guess who's talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> Is there a team we want to see on the field more this season than Tampa Bay? They could be Super Bowl contenders or they could be disappointments. There's a lot of variables to consider. First of all, Brady's going to be 43 at the start of the season, and it remains to be seen if his struggles in 2019 were a sign of father time 
or a direct result from New England not giving him uh, any weapons to be able to throw to. Although Tampa Bay's defense is talented, it did struggle in some areas last year, so it'll be interesting to see if they have a better unit going into 2020. Not only that, but the Buccaneers' running game is a huge question mark as Ronald Jones leads a backfield with rookie third-round pick Keyshawn Vaughn nipping on his heels to try to work in and get carries. Still, Brady certainly won't have a shortage of weapons as Tampa Bay has wide receivers Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's got tight ends O.J. Howard, Cameron Braid, and the guy Rob Bankowski. Additionally, the Buccaneers further address their offensive line in the draft, taking arguably the best uh, tackle in the draft in Tristan Wirfs at number 13. Buccaneers have a very high ceiling, and many expect them to contend for a Super Bowl. Well, let's not count the chickens before they hatch. So, John, tell us everything we need to know about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you said his name, uh, their top rookie, I do think is going to be uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I do like Tyler Johnson a lot out of Minnesota, but yeah, that's a crowded wide receiver core, and that's a, a crowded tight end <laughs> core uh, all looking to get reception so I really don't think there's a lot of room for him there um, I do think Keyshawn Vaughn has a chance to increase his carries pretty much from week one going on because there's not a whole lot about Ronald Jones and his 700 yards last year that really convinces me that he's, he's going to be the number one back at the end of the season okay and then what about their fantasy hero uh, with Godwin and Evans it's it's almost a pick them they have pretty much identical stats last season, um, almost exactly the same. Um, so knowing how fantasy goes, uh, whichever one you pick is going to be the wrong one, um, and then you'll be regretting your decision. But I'm going with uh, Chris Godwin. I do think he just fits a little bit better with uh, Brady's a little bit more conservative style. And um, my fantasy zero is Gronkowski. He, he's sitting out. It's a new team. He, O.J. Howard isn't really terrible behind him. He's had injury concerns, and, and you can say, oh, that means he'll be fully healthy for this season. But that also he's has injury concerns, and he's out of game shape. He's having the shortened you know, preseason uh, you know, virtual and stuff like that. He may end up getting hurt just because he's not quite ready. And I, I think he was more focused, it seemed, in the offseason on growing his brand um, just appearing on random TV shows, appearing on Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, uh, you know, doing absolutely anything. So I really don't know how much his head is going to be in football this year. And I do want to say an honorable mention, Tom Brady. I think, like you said, it might be a little bit of father time catching up. He threw the least amount of touchdowns he had since 2006. That's 14 years ago. That's longer than some people's career. I mean, at some point, um, it's going to catch up to him. And again, with the way the offseason's going, it probably would be this season would be finally the year where he seems to be out of sync, especially with Tom Brady, who seems to almost need a telepathic connection with his receivers, which is going to be harder now. John, you've been listening to a lot of Max Kellerman talking about Brady falling off the cliff. Well, no, the difference is Max Kellerman's been saying that for 10 years. <laughs> so, John, tell us your sleeper, and then I want to get Elvin and Eric in on this, because I think Tampa Bay is a really interesting team to talk about. It, 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 uh, it files in with my fantasy zero. I think it's O.J. Howard. Um, at that, that point, like I said, I think Gronk doesn't necessarily seem like he's fully invested in football, and O.J. Howard was never really that bad. He may have had some bad years. Uh, that one's for you, Eric. 
But um, (laughs) but I do think he really has a chance to actually be the number one tight end on that offense. And and Brady does love his tight ends, you know, hearkening back to the the two tight end system of uh, Aaron Hernandez and uh, Gronkowski. (laughs) Well, Elvin, I'm going to bring you in on this. Um, Is there anything that John said that you strongly agree with or that you strongly disagree with? Like I said, I agree or disagree. I hope he's right on Tom uh, Tom's Cliff being there as a Saints fan, though. Uh, <laughs> I really hope you're right, John. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, age is a factor, but age is a factor with uh, Drew. But I think we have seen more of the decline in Tom's performance, like John was saying. Uh, as far as Gronk, man, I don't I don't think the year out did him as much uh, good as people want to believe. I mean, people dropped their entire fab on him in Dynasty Leagues already. I, I don't see the guy finishing as a tight end one because I, I see him missing at least six games. And as far as Tampa Bay goes, I mean, I don't see them better than 10 and six. I think a lot of people want to crown him the Super Bowl champions already. And then what about Ronald Jones and the Keyshawn Von Bell? Do you either, Eric or uh, Elvin, do you guys feel – strongly about who you think is going to win that battle. And then obviously whoever is the lead Tampa Bay ball carrier uh, has a lot of fantasy value. I think everybody's struggling right now, figuring out who's that guy that they want to draft. So Eric, I'll start with you. Do you feel like one has either more talent or do you in your gut feel that one is going to eventually win that job? No, you know, I, I think the thing with Bruce Arians is he's a little bit unpredictable because Peyton Barber was the lead back some, sometimes, and then Ronald Jones would get a 15-carry game out of nowhere. I think he's one of those coaches that rides the hot hand. I could honestly both see both value or running backs having value just because I think that offense is going to have high upside. I do think Tom Brady is going to have a good year. Um, Bruce Arians had this quote. It was something like, uh, when referring Tom Brady's play to Jameis Winston, like you'll never go broke, like depositing money in the bank. So I think they're going to, it's not going to be as many long plays, but I think it's going to be a higher completion percentage, more efficient offense. And the ball is going to be spread around. I, I think I agree with you. I, I mean, Tom Brady, I think that, I think one of the key factors is they worked on their offensive line and him having a little bit of time uh, with the receivers he has, as long as he can throw short intermediate routes um, to the likes of Chris Godwin, who I think is prime for an even bigger year as the Julian Edelman, in a sense. Um, I just think it, it's sky's the limit for, for Godwin in that sense. But um, I think we're all excited to watch them play. And, John, I think you did a good job covering all the major bases for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Saints and Bucks week one, man. I know Elvin sweat. Elvin sweating a little bit over there. Just think about it. <laughs> that's that's not week one, huh? That's uh, that's the first home game, I believe. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think it's week two. I think it's getting yeah, uh, here. Here I, I am jumping to, the gun. Yeah, I think we go to LA. I mean, I, you could be right. I think we go. Uh, I would trust you to know your team's schedule better than I would. I mean, I hope so, but Eric, you and ESPN are probably jumping the gun on that. I'm sure they have eight ad spots ready for that game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great job, gentlemen, with the team by team look. We're going to move next into our next segment question of the week. This week's question, 
which non-quarterback would you start to build your NFL team around? Um, so as long as it's not a quarterback, this is the player you can use. And as the guest, Elvin, I'm going to start with you. Which player did you choose? If we don't all have the same answer here and it's not Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> and I'm on the wrong podcast. That guy's an animal. As much as I dislike the Panthers being in my division, if you don't want to put a team around someone like that, you're a lost cause, man. Eric, what's your answer? So I didn't have Christian McCaffrey. I was thinking Aaron Donald. Elvin's off. Elvin's leaving the pod now because of you. <laughs> man, did you see Aaron Donald trading offseason with the Knights? I want somebody like that. He's the only player to be rated uh, 99 in Madden twice in, conse- or in consecutive years. I know that's not saying anything, but the people at Madden are stingy with their ratings. So I just feel like a, a dominant defensive lineman, you could build that team around. John? Outside of Zay Jones, wide receiver six for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, do a, I'll do another homer pick. And, and Josh Jacobs, you have to go offense. It's an offensive league. And he led the league in missed tackles, or I guess evaded tackles. Uh, he's a just a tough runner, a crazy inspirational story. And I really think there you can't you can't do uh, much better. Elvin, I'll give you a guess who's John's team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, is it the Falcons or is it someone in the South Tampa, Tampa Bay? Oh no, no, I was saying the Raiders because uh, him oh. picking Josh Jacobs. Oh okay. He has to mention Zay Jones every episode. That's his favorite yeah, player. And and when he catches a touchdown week one, you, you're all going to be hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, so the Saints actually do open up against the Bucks. It's against Vegas week two. Prime oh, time. Yeah. The, the, Ra- yeah. the Raiders, uh, Raiders welcome you to the home, the home stadium for our first game. Yeah. First L in the new home. All right. Well, we'll see. I remember a couple of years ago uh, in our magical 2016 season, Derek Carr led us to a two-point conversion for the win in the Superdome. I so. remember that. Yeah, dude, I, I was on a deployment watching that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Elvin, I'm on the same page with you. I, I'm, I put Christian McCaffrey, and I figured that at least one other person would put that. I, to me, and Eric, I understand 100% why you put Aaron Donald on there, um, but he plays two positions. He plays running back and he plays wide receiver. He had 100 catches last year. I mean, he was number two in the NFL in catches, like behind Michael Thomas. Like that, that to me, he's, an, he's not a running back. He's an offensive weapon. And to say I have the offensive weapon of Christian McCaffrey to build my team around, I think that's, again, for fantasy, obviously, but even in real life, how many people can you say are literally playing two positions? And um, so I, I – um, I'm on the Christian McCaffrey train. If I have a other uh, first pick and it's I can't take a quarterback, I'm definitely taking Christian McCaffrey. Wow, that's I wrote down like three names, thinking that everybody would take Aaron Donald, and I didn't even have to bring him out. Oh, you're a tease. <laughs> you're a tease. Um, all right. Well, we're going to move into our last uh, segment for the week, and it is our game. So, for our game this week, we always try to change it up on you guys. We are going to do, if you guys have ever heard this thing, a little jingle that goes, and I, and I feel embarrassed because Elvin has such a deep voice and he's a U.S. Navy veteran to, to do this like voice, but 
What are these things? It's not like theater. <laughs> you you lost me a little bit. You guys ever hear that game where it's like, one of these things is not like the other? Isn't that a song? Isn't that a yeah. song? Yeah, it's like a rock. It game. I don't know, but I, I felt embarrassed because I feel like Elvin's judging me pretty hard. No, man, you, not at all. You embarrass uh, yourself even more by thinking it's from a game and not a song. Uh, <laughs> well, so the, the that might have been an embarrassing intro, but the game isn't embarrassing. The game is going to really test your fantasy knowledge and your just overall football knowledge. So I have eight questions for you guys. Three of them are correct, and one of them is incorrect. Hence, one of these things is not like the other. So if you have a piece of paper, you want to put it on your phone just to basically write down your answer for what you think is correct. I'll go through all eight questions, repeat any you need repeated, and then at the end, I'll read them off. You'll count your score, and we'll see who wins. Sound good? Yes, sir. All right. Elvin, you ready? You good? I'm ready. Eric, you good? I'm good. All right, number one. These quarterbacks, one of them did not throw for 4,000 yards last season. Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. Three of those quarterbacks threw for 4,000. One of them did not. And we're telling you which one did not? Yes. Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. David, this Washington. is the game I did for baseball, but you just changed it up, the name. Mine's better. <laughs> Number two. These quarterbacks, three of them threw for 30 touchdowns and one did not. Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Number three. Three of these running backs had at least 75 catches this past season, and one did not. James White, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Tariq Cohen. James White, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, and Tariq Cohen. Oh, and that's, that's when things started to get a little tricky. Number four. Three of these running backs had 250 or more carries this past season, and one did not. Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack. Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Marlon Mack. Number five. Three of these running backs had at least 1,000 rushing yards, and one did not. Carlos Hyde, Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay. Carlos Hyde. Adrian Peterson, Mark Ingram, Bill Lindsay. Number six, these wide receivers, three of them had at least 90 catches. One did not. Tyler Boyd, Cooper Cup, 
DJ Moore, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Robert Woods. Question number seven. These wide receivers had at least nine receiving touchdowns. Three of them had nine and one did not. Tyler Lockett, Marvin Jones, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin. Tyler Lockett, I'll repeat them. Tyler Lockett, Marvin Jones, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin. And last question, number eight. These wide receivers, three of them averaged at least 80 receiving yards per game, and one did not. DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin. DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin. Anybody need any repeated? No, nah, I think I got them all. That's tough. You good, Elvin? You got all of them? Yeah. Got them all good? I got them all right. <laughs> I like the confidence. All right, number one. Quarterbacks that threw for at least 4,000 yards last season. The incorrect answer was Deshaun Watson. Threw 3,900 yards, did not get to 4,000. Wow. All right, I'm, I'm 0 for 1. I, I, did, I did not have them all right. I said Mahomes just to spite you, David. <laughs> I said Mahomes because he missed some time. Yeah, dude, if you ever put Patrick Mahomes for an incorrect answer, you'll always get it wrong. See, that, see, that's, see, that's the thing is I thought that you would trick us with that. Question two. Quarterbacks that threw for 30 touchdowns. The incorrect answer was Drew Brees. He threw I 27. Right. I knew you were trolling our guest. <laughs> Dude, you missed six games. I, I figured I was like, man, Elvin, you, you got to get this one. Yeah, I got that one. All right, we're um, all one for two. Number three, running backs with at least 75 catches. The incorrect answer is James White. He only had 72 catches. Damn, I didn't I'm know Fernando was catching that many. Yeah, everybody else had it. Yeah, Tariq Cohen, I, I don't have it in front. I think it was like 79, but he had more than James White. Huh. Number four, running back carries of at least 200 or 250 carries this season. The incorrect answer is Marlon Mack. He had just under at 247. The other three had over 250 carries. Got that one right. Do you guys feel good now that you got one right? Because uh, this one probably gets you on this next one. Number five, running backs with at least 1,000 rushing yards. The incorrect answer is Adrian Peterson. Woo! 898 rushing yards. Got that one. Mm-hmm. With our guy Darius Geis in the backfield. Oh, yeah. Better watch out for him this year. AP's not getting that. Number six. Wide receivers with at least 90 catches. The incorrect answer is DJ Moore. He had 87. You did your I research see. for the Panthers. That's kind of cheating. I, I, yeah. I would when I saw it, I was like, oh, gosh, I know this because I looked I, it up yesterday. I could have sworn Robert Woods on my fantasy team did not get 90 catches last year. He might have, like, 89 or something, but he had more than 80. or uh, He definitely had under 90, but it was, like, close. 
Number seven, wide receivers with at least nine receiving touchdowns. The incorrect answer is Tyler Lockett. He had eight. Wow. Everybody else it's had like, nine. He had the most one. red. He had the most red zone targets, which is really interesting. I didn't think that. Yeah, but think and keep in mind, DK Metcalf got a lot of touchdowns last season. And our last question, number eight, wide receivers that average at least 80 receiving yards per game. The incorrect answer is DeAndre Hopkins. He had only averaged 77 receiving yards per game last year. But they were all so, nice, though. They were. Nuke is – Nuke. we had this discussion on the uh, last pot about the top wide receivers. He's He might be – I know we got a Mike Thomas guy on here, but Nuke, Nuke is uh, – it's a nasty wide receiver. Um, all right, so let's calculate your scores. And we're going to go on the line here. John, what was your final score? I had a hot three out of, out of eight, so almost, <laughs> almost 50%. Eric? I five. And Alvin, for the win, what did you get? No, I only had two, man. Only got two? Yeah, Breeze and Peterson. <laughs> oh man, David, you did a good job. These were Thank tough. You. I tried to tough. make it not too easy for you guys, since you guys are all fantasy experts. I had to give you some tough ones here, but uh, yeah, those are tough. That was a great job, guys, and um, you guys played the game really well. Thank you for playing. Unfortunately, Eric wins this time, which no one ever likes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go um, over Gronk style by shotgunning a beer and then throwing it on the ground. No, oh, Gronk style is he drinks about a quarter of it and then pours the rest of it on his head. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, Elvin, we really appreciate having you on, man. This was a blast, and uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, no, man, I had fun. Thank you all for having me. Of course, and again, if you want to hear more of him, of course, he's on Twitter at Elvin Ryan underscore FF, and you can uh, see him rank uh, fantasy players this season on Fantasy Pros. And the, I saw that you're launching the pregame HQ site, and it's just the little like thing you have on the webpage. I, I just know it's going to be an awesome site, so I can't wait yeah. to see when that launches. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, but again, thank you again, man. And uh, uh, you know, we'll obviously communicate through Twitter and all that. So uh, we hope you stay safe, and we'll talk with you soon. Yeah, man. Thanks, Thanks. Alvin. Thank you. Take it easy.